Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. I thought it was for sure because you forgot where No. Yeah, I kind of figured maybe he started watching the movies right when Ryan said he was having trouble watching the movie. No, no, I watched, I mean, I watched Fifth Element like days and days ago because I I fucking love that movie. Hmm. Leon, I watched right after work, but my my potatoes for my potato salad took too long to cool off. <laughs> they stayed warmer longer than I was predicting. I don't know how to react to any of that. Okay. Whose dog is that? That would be Noah's. Ernie, stop! Say, but I'm so itchy, I can't help it. Just, I don't know why he has to directly kick his collar. Like, because that's where it itches. Causes you to pay attention to him, doesn't it? Yeah, he's trained you very well, Noah. Whenever you hear the sound, you'll pay attention to him. I suppose. Anyways, how's your guys' week been? Good. Yes, also good. Did you guys do any do any Halloweeny stuff this weekend? Not shit. No. I had to take my kid to stuff. It was pretty fun, though. Yeah, you were sending those pictures of you were at a fucking video store. Yeah, he wanted to go to this like Halloween event, and it turns out it was in a combination video store, movie theater, drive-in that also has an indoor play structure and laser tag at it. And I'm like, how did I not know this existed? It's like a half an hour from my house. That fucking sounds awesome. Doug will be there every weekend now. I know. I told he's like, Dad, they do birthday parties here. And I'm like, can I have mine here? <laughs> Your kid's going to go over to uh, his mom's house and he's going to be like, all right, what are you going to do while I'm gone, Dad? You're like, I'm going to go back to that <laughs> video store laser tag place. He's going to be like, aw. I was going to say, Saturday night I went and did spooky trivia. Oh, yeah? How'd you do? Uh, you know what the crazy thing is? We, uh, I didn't do too hot until the very end of the game and they do kind of like a jeopardy style thing where you can wager your points mm-hmm. and go for broke for a question that has a multiple part answer and i wagered everything and it was about the general mills monster cereals and i was like haha motherfuckers i know all these <laughs> so i doubled my points and came in second nice there was a place around here that was doing stephen king trivia and i was like yes time to go and just destroy everybody else ended up being a night that we were recording this month no that sucks so i didn't get to go um i went and saw like an eric acrobatic show that was horror themed that's kind of neat like different cirque de soleil deflator mouse uh sort of i guess yeah 
Yeah, it was like a, a non, you know, non Cirque du Soleil branded thing that was like, uh, you know, people doing acrobat shit, weird carnival stuff. There was some magic, a couple, you know, women popping out of boxes and shit. I was getting ready to say, it's one of those weird, non-sexy burlesque shows that oh. people do now that don't make any goddamn sense. It was sexy. <laughs> like you, If you were under the age of 17, you had to be accompanied by a, by a guardian of some sort. No nudity, but lots of chicks just dressed up in, you know, leather stuff and fishnets and whatever. The last, the last one of those types of shows I went to was one of those weird themed ones, not not the Star Wars one, but something similar to that. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting there watching everybody else, and like everybody else was super into it, and I was like, "This is nobody finds it weird that like we're taking the sexiest of things, like erotic removal of clothing, and somehow." robbing it of all sexuality and turning it into something where you're just like, this is just awkward. I don't like this at all. Did I ever tell you guys when my last podcast, Drunken Zombie, had a chance to program a nerd night at a strip club and we never got to do it? Oh, that's unfortunate. That seems like it'd be fun. Yeah. So we randomly went to the worst strip club in town one time. And then we complained about how it was the worst strip club in town. And somebody that that would be Al's. No, it wasn't Al's. It was called Fantasyland. And when you showed up, you know they didn't take a card for your um, cover fee. So I had to walk through the entire club to go to the ATM while they held onto my driver's license. Then we got in 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 the general seating area. The whole thing was lit by blacklight, and I'm like, that's not a good idea for a strip club whatsoever. <laughs> uh, and then uh, pretty much all the strippers were just bored and were not even really dancing and were like like sitting like on the side of the stage talking to somebody else who also worked there, I think. And I'm just like, this place sucks. So we complained about it on the show, and then somebody that works there heard it, because he knew, like one of one of the Randy who was on the show, uh, took it into his work and played it for him. And they're like, "Oh fuck!" All these people are saying this, all this bad shit about our strip club. And so then they fixed a bunch of our complaints and then told us that we needed to come back and we could like program like a like a geek night or something. Which we didn't know how that would work at a strip club, but. The most fascinating part of that entire story is that someone heard someone complain about their place and actually was like, you know what? Maybe we should fix this. (laughs) Well, apparently the guy who played it had been complaining about a lot of those things to the club uh, management, and they just pretty much ignored it. And now he had like proof that he could bring and be like, these are actual customers saying it. Yeah. Um, and then the guy that we knew there knew that worked there ended up quitting before we could do the uh, our sponsored night, and we just never got to do it. Huh. Fascinating. See, I figured it would have been Al's because Al's is like it's it's what somebody in 1992, really high on cocaine, th- thought a strip club was supposed to be, mm-hmm. and then they just never changed that. 
Was that the old building or the new building? I don't know. It's the one that was like downtown, right? Yeah, but they 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 built a brand new building for it. I don't know. Because the still, old the old building got demolished. It was still garbage. They were like, "What if strip club, but also nightclub?" And it's like, no, don't need both those things. I'm starting to think I'm not qualified to be on this podcast about strip clubs in Illinois. <laughs> we'll come down to Illinois. We'll change that for you, Doug. We'll take you, we'll take you to the cab. I'm hearing so many good things that, of course, I would want to. No, the cabaret's delightful. Yeah. It's like it's like that old dirty man strip club that, like, they've got, like, a... a buffet at certain times of the day and the the chairs are all like comfortable but on wheels and there's a weird old lady yeah. that walks around trying to give people massages for twenty dollars <laughs> pretty sure i saw gary gygax get a hand job there <laughs> all of this is very upsetting to me i don't no it's great about, it's really we're fun talking about our halloween activities how did you guys make it all dirty like I hadn't gotten around to talking about Pumpkin Inferno yet, and now I don't want to because I don't want to sully it. What's Pumpkin Inferno? It's like, it's like a light show, and all the lights look like pumpkins, but then they put them oh. in shapes. But that's boring. Feel weird talking about it now. <laughs> it's not boring at all. It was freaking awesome. <laughs> so what you're saying is there's no boobs. You know, tomorrow is like Halloween. I have jack shit to do. I wonder if they do costumes at the strip club. We're giving out we're giving out candy tomorrow, and you know we just moved into the new house, so I don't know hmm. if this is going to be yet another disappointing Halloween. Because <laughs> my prior house, I'd get one or two kids the entire night, yeah, which has just robbed all of the fun of the holiday. Hey, do you know what has one or two kids in it? The movies from this week. Why don't we change the subject off of this <laughs> depressing? It sucks to live in Illinois. Talk and move on to that. All right. Yeah, well, let's talk about <clears throat> something way less depressing, like sexual tension between a forty-year-old man and a child. It's okay. The actor intentionally played him as mentally handicapped, so it wouldn't seem weird. All right, Doug. We we'll want you uh, break down the professional for us. Oh fuck. All right, so it's New York City, and there's this little girl, and her dad's like into drugs and shit, so he gets himself all killed. Mm-hmm. But luckily, there's a real nice hitman that lives next door, so she just kind of inserts herself into his life and lives there now. And then, supposedly, he's training her how to become a hitman, but not really, though, because there's like one scene of it, and the rest of it's nonsense. And then she figures out that it's like this DEA agent that is going to, that is the one that killed her dad. So she's going after him, but she gets herself caught. So he has to break into like the DEA and shoot everybody and get her out. And then eventually they come back and they're like, you killed a bunch of people. So we're going to kill you right back. And they uh, blow up his apartment building. From your tone, I'm gathering you did not enjoy this movie. I don't understand why. I really like this movie. I I was going to say, I I find this movie awkward because of the weird pseudo-romantic relationship between man and child. But it's still a fantastic fucking movie. No. No, no. See, this is the thing. It's an annoying movie. And it's... I don't... like. Okay, so 
the dialogue I'm pretty sure wasn't written in English and they just put it through like Google Translate. No, it was. The whole movie was written in 30 days. Yeah. So you get like in order to have the introduction between like the little girl and the hitman that lives next door, he like walks by or when she's like on she's like I'm on my way to the grocery store. Would you like some milk? One quart of milk or two? It's two, right? That's the actual dialogue from this fucking movie. And I'm supposed to believe that these are human beings and they talk like that? Like who just, first of all, who the hell knows how many quarts of milk their neighbor buys? That's creepy and weird. But second of all, who randomly offers to buy milk for their neighbor? And then third of all, who says it like that? Uh, really annoying children who want to be friends with the weird guy in her building. No, right. Because yeah, her home the, life the whole, is Yeah, the whole idea is, is that annoying. she's, from the very beginning, they established that she's kind of obsessed with him. Because he's the only person who isn't mean to her. Like, he's not even nice to her. It's just that he's vaguely yeah, but not an asshole. An ex- doesn't give you an excuse to write shitty dialogue and then get it's, good actors I to deliver it poorly. I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't think it's, it's I don't think it's dialogue. that. I don't I'm think the dialogue's that bad. So you think it's normal for a human being to say to someone else, how many quarts <laughs> of milk? One or two. It's two, right? That's how you think human beings talk to each other. When it's a precocious child who's starving for attention and wants someone to pay attention to them, yes. I think both you people need to spend more time around children. Children are human beings who act like human beings, not like this. <laughs> this is so strange. I'm it, with I'm with then, Noah on this. And then this is okay, like so then, this is an acclaimed movie. It's like. Yeah, not, yeah. Not, everyone's, not just, everyone's wrong about this movie. That's I was going to say not just not just cult movie status. Like critics and everyone love this fucking movie. And then okay, but then you follow the little girl into her apartment, and her family is a cartoon. Why is her family a cartoon? Like because it's New York. It's the most ridiculous, over the top caricatures I can possibly imagine. And then they involve them in a shootout, and we're supposed to give a shit if they die. But I assume that, like, if you just punch one really hard, he'll come fall down as like suitcases from the sky or something because well, they're so cartoonish. I I think part of the point is that you're not supposed to care that they die. You're supposed to care that the little boy gets shot. Well, I don't know. It's it's just so horribly executed, and just and then what are you horribly executed? <laughs> so what the terrible. fuck, Doug? It's just so terrible that I can't I, even. Put into words. Like, are we on? Or did we just pass into another fucking dimension? Isn't it supposed to be me bitching about a critically acclaimed movie in favor of some garbage? No, this film is garbage. I don't care what anyone says. It's terrible. It's fucking. It's atrocious. There's a there's a like a, what a ten minute sequence in the middle of this where the little girl just dresses up in costumes and dances in front of the guy. And he has to try to guess what character she is. And this guy's like, cause he's trying to play him. Men- he's a, he literally is intentionally trying to play a mentally handicapped. And he's like trying to like act like he's so mentally handicapped that he can't, doesn't know who Madonna is, which I'm not even sure that there's a connection between that, but it's like, like she, uh, there's a scene in this movie where she's like, he starts spraying her with like a water bottle, like jokingly, which is normal enough behavior between like an adult and a child in that relationship. But then it goes on for like four and a half minutes. He's chasing her all around the apartment. They're breaking doors off of closets so he can keep spraying her with the water bottle. And I'm like, what is happening in this movie? And then it cuts to like these weird ultra violence scenes. And you're like, that's fucking out of nowhere. Like from, from this, that's the point from, from like cartoon, to automatically all of a sudden 12 year old kid being held hostage by the DEA. And we're supposed to like, I, I, 
thriller movies like this and action only work when the when it's tense and it works when you've gone out of your way to have her dress up as marilyn monroe and charlie chaplin in a row then how the fuck am i supposed to care but I think that's why you're supposed to care. You're supposed to fall in love with these characters. I'm so yeah, I'm supposed to fall in love with these As much as I did. Your, so you your complaints the, of this movie are insane. The like eight minutes of her putting on costumes and dancing around while he sits there with like, like literally the same expression I would expect from like a 12 year old pretending to be retarded to make fun of his friends. That's the facial expression on his face. The whole time she's dancing around in very, very elaborate costumes. That I'm not sure exactly why they own these costumes, but that's not really the point. Um, and and you guys are falling in love with these characters during those moments. Yeah. Well, it's it's partial. No, that's there's like two bits of storytelling there. It's supposed to be endearing, but at the same time, you're supposed to recognize that it's the start of her inappropriate sexuality toward him. Okay, well, hang on a second. I just need to get my thesaurus and find what the opposite of endearing is, and then I'll let you know how I felt about it. Because <laughs> fuck me, I'm like, I literally was like, I had my phone and I had the message typed, and I chose not to send it because I'm like, I don't want to start a fight. But I was like, do I really have to watch the rest of this movie? That's what this I had is, typed into the Discord. This is fucking insane. Uh, <laughs> just, just atrocious. Just. You realize you're the minority. Like care. not even just not even just on this podcast, just in general, right? I don't care. I mean the okay. only everybody can be my wrong, wife watched this and one. you know how much my wife hates violent movies? She's, yes, and that's why she probably this liked movie. this one. Exactly. That's my point. People who like Hallmark movies maybe enjoy watching her dancing around with underwear over top for clothes doing a Madonna impression. I don't. But then you said it got ultra violent afterwards. Yeah, out of nowhere. And it's not but then you just you, bet, you literally checked out. You literally, movie. you literally just said it wasn't violent enough. Because there's these bursts of it that come out of nowhere in mixed in with this other bullshit. I don't like this movie. People who like this movie, what? Are- <laughs> I, I don't know about that. I love this movie. It's- Have you ever watched the European cut of this movie? I don't know. I watch whatever Brian provided to me for free. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the American. If it's called Leon the Professional, it's the American. It's version. just it was just called the Professional. There is so the European version of the movie is longer, and it has way more of the weird sexual stuff between the two of them. Okay, well there was there was plenty in this version more than we needed. So mm. yeah, it, it's I not as I bad just, as I'm I remember so, I'm it. So fucking but. lost. <laughs> The weird, the weird sexual stuff between the two of them. First of all, just just don't do it in your movie. But second of all, like it wasn't as bad as I remember it. I think because it wasn't as shocking, knowing it was coming this time. But yeah, it looks like I got both of them. Both of them on movies anywhere, like the extended cut and the regular cut. So okay, well, I'm I'm glad I didn't watch the worst cut because I'm sure it's it's I'm like sure two it's hours and fifteen minutes or something. Yeah, yeah. And it's- but I mean, the whole point—the whole point of their inappropriate relationship—is supposed to come from the the perspective of they're both emotionally immature people. Like, because Leon's so cut off, you know, he just he lives and breathes murdering people essentially, and has no life. That's a, part of part of the point of the the scene of her dressing up is that he doesn't 
he has no reference of pop culture. He doesn't like engage yeah. in anything. But, but it ends with him doing his own dress up as whatever it was, John Wayne. John Wayne, John Wayne because that's old stuff he would have seen growing up. She dressed right. up as Marilyn Nothing. Monroe. Right, and apparently once a week he goes, there's this whole thing where he goes down to some (coughs) boutique movie theater and he watches old movies. Okay, but she dressed up as Marilyn Monroe and he dressed up as John Wayne. Those are similar. You would think one who knows what one is would know what both are. I don't know. I don't know. Can we talk can we talk about the fact that Gary Oldman's character is fucking off the goddamn wall in this movie? Yeah. Yes. Like, yes, we it's can amazing. talk about we can talk about that, but we're gonna disagree on whether it's good or not. Jesus uh, fucking Christ. Jesus, Doug. You, you can fuck, you can off fuck right off if you're trying to <laughs> fucking pretend Gary Oldman fucking isn't an amazing actor. He's oh, I'm, not, I'm not saying he's not a good actor. I'm saying that the character that they've got him in in this movie is fucking wacky and insane, but he's supposed to be playing a DEA agent who's in a thriller where he's going head-to-head with a hitman. Why would he be wacky and insane? That's not logical. That doesn't make any sense. Just hopped up on pills the whole time. Yeah, I was going to say, you do see him change. That's the whole thing. Whenever yeah. he goes into psycho killer movie mood, he takes a librium oh, and then he kind of goes crazy. Because it's the least subtle pill taking in the history of filmmaking. It's, it's like, librium. It, he but, like jerks his head but, all around. And stuff. No, that's because he's biting it. He he chews the capsule so that the drugs hit him harder. That's the whole point. That's that popping sound. I have seen people chew many, many times. It's never looked like this. <laughs> Good people, lord! People chew daily, uh, all the time around me. Like it, it, it's not like it's again. He's playing a cartoon character. But then we're supposed to be intimidated by him at certain points in the film, and you're like, "How can I be intimidated by a cartoon character?" Because Gary Oldman's playing the cartoon character, that's why you're intimidated. And because he's scary as fuck in this movie, you don't find that character scary as fuck. The beginning of the movie where he gets fucking all up in that dude and he smells him. Jesus Christ, I would shit my pants. It's fucking weird. I'll give you that. It's weird. I don't know if I'd say scary. Oh, man. Some girl broke up with Doug while they were watching this movie, and it's ruined it for him for the rest of his life. It's the only explanation. It's The movie's just bad. That's the problem. There's a hard disagree with that. I was going to say, this is just fascinating. I I thought I was going to have the most negative take on this movie because I don't like the weird relationship between Leon and the girl. Like, it makes me uncomfortable. I don't like it. We can agree that that relationship makes me uncomfortable. And there's a way in a film to have, like, a little, a a child character that has, has, like, infatuated with an older character, like, and the older character is just kind of like, okay, that's cute. You pat her on the head. And there's a way to do that in movies. Um, You, it doesn't involve the two characters sleeping in the same bed after she professes her love for him. That's not cool, man. Like, it, it, it's really icky the way it, it comes across in this movie. Hmm. Weirdly, like Natalie Portman at this age was like doing this in his movies, playing the 12 year old that flirted with the older guy that lived next door. Like, that was kind of a thing for her at this point in her career. Yeah, this was her first. Yeah, I guess. 
It, th- th- there's also the creepy behind the scenes story of apparently Liv Tyler was the original like front runner for that role, and they were like, "Ew, she's 15, too old, younger, younger and weirder." <laughs> See, it's kind of interesting too, though, because I don't know, like a 15 year old would make a lot more sense in the role. Do you know what I mean? Like, first of all, like a 15 year old, like the idea of him taking a 15 year old under his wing and teaching her how to kill would make a lot more sense than an 11 year old. I think there's the scene where she pretends to be a delivery person and sneaks into a building. And you're like, does anybody believe that like that 11 year old is making a food delivery? Or are we all just going to pretend that that's like just how it works? But if again, if it was um, a teenager, you might buy it more. Back in the 80s. This is an 80s movie, right? No. Uh, early early 90s. I would say if there, if you were in certain parts of New York and you had a family-run like Greek restaurant or something, like okay. some weird, like this is going to come off maybe not sounding great, but if you had like a family from a different culture who maybe was just like the entire family worked at the diner, yeah, I mean, and you're like, yeah, you take take the food, deliver it, I whatever. Mean, still my my stereotypical it. accent, accent, maybe it would. Not be not come off that weird, especially in a place like New York. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, but it it play. I think it would play better if she was older. But everything about it would play better. All the things that she's capable of doing, all of the relationship stuff, would all play better if she was older. Because I mean, it's really weird to have her like trying to flirt and hit on this adult man, and then she literally turns around and watches Transformers cartoon, and you're like, I don't. Know. It's weird. But I think it's supposed to be part of the point. She doesn't actually even really understand what she's doing. Like, she's just the weird, like, 11-year-old that is like, oh, there's this older man, and this I'm going to be, like, an adult or whatever. But she doesn't understand, like, what that whole thing entails. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah it's supposed to be that, that neither of them get it. You know, he yeah. doesn't, and he doesn't get that teaching a fucking 11 year old to kill people is probably not okay what's the other thing I find with this film is like if you're going to have scenes with an adult teaching a child how to murder people I think first of all have respect for the profession and have born one scene where it happens but secondly like explore that a little bit like delve into that a little bit like you know what I mean but they don't at all it just it's just kind of happening. Yeah. But I feel like he start he starts teaching her how she's supposed to do stuff, but she is also so impatient. That that's why she ends up getting captured towards the end anyway. Yeah. So everything sort of has to ramp and, up. And there's an alternate ending to this movie that they decided to reshoot because it was too dark in which Matilda does kill the guy, but she's the one who does the grenade trick, yeah, which is, know. Way I'd, darker. I'd prefer that. Well, and it makes sense because they set it up earlier in the movie where whenever he's taking her on the roof to show her the sniper rifle, he tells her, you know, you the rifle's always the first thing that a hitman learns. And then as you get better, you get closer. And the whole that I guess the thematic idea of that ending is that she kills him up close. So that's supposed to be the completion of she's become a killer. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they decided that was way too dark and did the her planning the plant instead and Leon dying. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. 
I, I mean, I, I, I kind of <laughs> wanted them all to die. Um, do you have any positive things to say about this? Wait, wh- what do you mean by them all? Oh, all the characters. Do you mean everyone? You <laughs> 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 uh, walked right into it, Doug. Yes, that's my own fault. Um, I, do you I, have any positives about this movie? I mean, the shootout at the end isn't terrible. I do think yeah. Natalie Portman, for a kid, gives a good performance. She has to cry on camera a couple times, and mm-hmm. it's pretty good. I just I didn't care because of how annoying the character was and how stupid everything going on was. So, but I acknowledge that it's difficult to cry on camera, and that she was able to do it. Um, I thought it was funny when they kept referring to him as Italian and then he would speak in a French accent. That's always fun for me. <laughs> just just, this, just like that subtle bit of racism where you pretend that all Europeans are the same and you're like, I don't even know if that counts as racism, but I think it is. I don't know. The, the weird thing is everybody's going, isn't the director French? <laughs> like the director's French and the actor's French, but the director doesn't know that the actor's French. That's strange to me. Maybe it's prejudice against American audiences. He's like, ah, they won't know this, you know. <laughs> uh, he was like, this movie must show the Frenchness. The little girl, she must smoke the cigarettes. <laughs> A lot of that smoking stuff, too. I'm like, I don't really, I don't know, man. Like, she's smoking, and her dad tells her not to. And then later, he tells her to not <laughs> smoke. And I'm like, ah. Just a bunch of dudes telling a kid not to smoke, and you're acting like the dad's a bad guy for telling her not to stop smoking. But I well, the dad told her not, not to smoke. smoke wasn't the problem. Him slapping her was the problem. I was gonna say he doesn't just tell her not to smoke; kind of smacks the shit out of her. Yeah. Frankly, she was annoying. Like in movies, when a character is annoying, you're allowed to hit him. And, and <laughs> frankly, she deserved to get hit by movie standards. In the real life, real world, I would disagree with that. But in movie standards, I'm like, yeah, you can smack a child who's that annoying. Man, it's a good thing you and Noah don't spend time together in real life. It's Doug would just be smacking Noah all the time. I'd be the abused. I told you it only works in movies. <laughs> well, well, this is fucked up. So Doug doesn't like uh, <laughs> the no, I, most lauded movie in this director's career. <laughs> I don't. I do not comprehend how people think this is a well-made film. I really don't. I think that, like the the core idea of this girl, like moves in with this hitman. He takes her in after like her parents are killed, and he wants to teach her how to be a killer. And she like again the whole thing where she goes too far, too fast with it, and ends up getting herself caught, and he has to rescue her, and that leads to the big violent ending. The core idea there is okay. It's the execution that I just cannot abide. It is just so frustrating to watch this film. See, I'm just, I'm just so lost on it. I feel there's, like everything in this movie this, has such a brilliant level of intentionality to it. That's, well, it's, it's intentionally pissing me off, if anything. There's a scene in this movie where she's like carrying the bag, doing the delivery thing, and she ends up like in the room with Gary Oldman, and he's like, "Ah, delivery, eh? What could it be?" And he gives a whole speech about what different kinds of food it could be. The fucking name is written on the bag. I didn't bother to read it, but it's there. He's like, could it be Thai? Could it be Chinese? I don't know. And it's like, read the fucking bag. Why are you talking like this? What the fuck is going on? Shut up. 
Well, oh there's no, God. there's no. See, it goes back to the, the whole point of his character is that he's observant as fuck because he's not looking at her whenever he does all this. And there's the idea of if you watch in the background, he clocks her when she's at the newsstand. He sees <laughs> her and he knows the entire time what she's up to already. Yes, it's not subtle. Everyone knows that happens. Yeah, I just don't, I don't. care. Oh, Jesus fuck Doug. <laughs> Again, like it should be subtle. It should be interesting, and it's not. They've chosen to make it not interesting by making it cartoonish. It's not it's not like interesting and intriguing. Pepe Le Pew paints himself it chases the cat around, you know what I mean? Like it's No. No, I don't get what you mean. <laughs> I mean when stuff is ridiculous and over the top and stupid, then I'm not intrigued by it. And I'm not caught up in the drama of it because it's inherently cartoonish in its nature. These giant over-the-top performances and everything. This, I, it's, I don't understand why they're telling a thriller story in a manner that's suitable to a fantasy film. Do you not like Gary Oldman's character in True Romance? I don't. Look, Gary Oldman, first of all, he's not a, as big a, a character. Second sure. of all, He's, yes, he's playing a hyper-stylized character in a movie where everybody does speak overly hyper-stylized. But it's... Did you, did you just say the one-eyed white Jamaican dude is not as big of a character? <laughs> he's not as important a character in the length of the story. He has okay. a scene. And then we okay, I'll accept, I'll accept that, my, but I was getting ready to say, if you're trying to say he didn't go big, you're out of your goddamn mind. Okay, then what about him in, in Dracula? Again, Dracula is a fantasy film. It's okay to do these things in a fantasy film. It's okay that Gary Oldman is just as big in the next movie we're talking about. Because the next movie we're talking about is a fantasy movie. I'm not blaming Gary Oldman for this. I'm saying that it's the director because it's uh, the whole world they're building is this weird fantasy world, but they're trying to tell us a very serious story in the middle of it. Would it make you feel weird that Gary Oldman says that of all of the random things that, you know, fans walk up to him and say that the everyone line is the number one? That's what everybody recognizes him for. I don't know if you've noticed, but I don't always agree with mainstream audiences. So I'm fine with it. I've come to accept that in this world. All right. Well, I, I honestly feel weird. I don't I like, don't, I, don't, I don't, I don't. What is it you like? About, like you think this is a well-executed film. You're telling me that like, you feel like tension when things are going wrong for these characters and you like get caught up in the moments. I do. When she gets, ends up getting captured, I felt like tension when she's like really? sneaking in or whatever. Um, and then he has to go rescue her. Of course, that's a whole he just strolls sort of into the building. situation itself. Like he just kind of casually walks in. It's like there's zero. <laughs> yeah, but it's that's how D- good he is. I was D- getting ready to say building. he casually murders about eight people in a federal building. Yeah, <laughs> and nobody even sets off an alarm. No, um, but he doesn't do anything. That's like he doesn't do anything to accomplish that. He just walk. He just wanders in, and everybody's like, "That's yeah, okay. He can just wander in." They do. They put a lot more. They, they get a lot more worried about the little girl doing the food delivery when she shows up than they do about him coming in. Nobody even looks up from their desk when this very obvious hitman comes wandering in and strolls in without stopping at security. Well, he does stop because he takes out all the security guards on his way through. He slows down. I wouldn't describe it as stopping. 
point being, like, at any point in time, any one of them could have drawn a gun on him and shot him, or at least tried to stop him in some capacity, and they just didn't. It was it, it was like watching an Austin Powers movie where they're making fun of Bond movies where the villains come at you one at one at a time, except they were I mean, trying this, to be serious. This is literally every action movie, though. Yeah, it's, see, but I, f- it's I a- feel like it's set up, though, when we see him on a job, that he's so good at his job that he could just take out like an entire apartment full of bodyguards and whatever with nobody even really even seeing him. So like, I have no giant issue with the ease of how he's able to uh, well, why, just walk in why and grab her. Didn't, why didn't they show him doing something to get in then? Have him do anything they, to make they, it look like they literally showed him take out all the security guards. I don't know what you want. <laughs> like, but they might, have, they may as well have been mannequins just sitting there when he walked up and just took them out. Would you have felt better if he put the hat on and put the, the handkerchief around his neck and he's like, hello partner. And did his John Wayne impression to sneak into the building. It wouldn't have, changed, have been better. It wouldn't have changed the scene that much to me. <laughs> uh, like he should have like, I don't know, come in a back door and snuck into the building. He should have <clears throat> gradually taken out a couple of the guards quietly rather than just kicking down doors and shooting everyone. They could kind of explain how they got back out of the building because you'd think once he was up the stairs killing all the people that at least then somebody would like flip a switch and there'd be some cops waiting for them on their way out. Except they were dead. Can't flip a switch when you're dead, Doug. Can't you, though? Hmm. I don't know. It's just odd to be at such far ends of the spectrum on this movie. I just, I'm, yeah, I don't know. I I, th- yeah, just th- because a lot of the the camera work and stuff in this movie is so fucking great. I don't know. It's just, it's just visually such a great fucking movie, too. It is? Yes. Yes, <laughs> What the fuck? Maybe I just didn't notice that. It's possible I just didn't notice that. God, the, the scene at the end when Leon's going out through the parking garage... And there's this great framing of him walking through the door, whereas the camera backs up, you see Gary Oldman's character behind the door for like half a second. So good. Like at the end, after he's already been like blowed up or whatever? Yes. Like right before yes. he does. You're, you're talking about right, right, right before, before he, he dies. The, the trick at the end. To, yeah. yeah. Okay. I think you, you're right, but I think I was annoyed by that because I didn't, I didn't like the way that the execution thing happened the i didn't like the, the final like where it was like pov and it fell over and then it, gary oldman gets to get a funny line in for some reason before he dies oh, i didn't i didn't like that so i think i was i'm acknowledging that yes the shots were probably well done but they were i was taken out of them but by, by the execution of that final like confrontation hmm. this is wild <laughs> this whole situation is so wild to me. I don't. I don't. This is normally the type of movie that Doug would be yelling at me for not liking. No, I don't think that's right. Because this movie's bad, so I would normally encourage you to not like it. Moving on, <laughs> Leon the professional. 
Loved by thousands. Two two high recommends. Hated, another hated by hated Doug. by Doug. <sighs> All right. Well, maybe maybe being in outer space will help. It will. So Noah, Noah, why don't you run down what the fifth element is about? Uh, yeah. So the fifth element, uh, there is uh, four magic stones and a, a perfect being that need to be channeled in order to stop the ultimate evil. We're told that at the very beginning of the movie. And then we jump forward 300 years. Bruce Willis is a future float cabbie guy, ex-military. There's a race of shape-changing warrior aliens that have been forced to the outskirts of society. There is an evil corporation bent on uh, allowing everything to be destroyed so that they can sell the fix to everyone afterwards. Uh, There is a priest who is attempting to fulfill the desires of the weird, uh, clunky alien dudes. Uh, There's a super sexy lady who is the uh, perfect being, quote fingers. And uh, there is (laughs) Chris Tucker doing his best attempt to fill the shoes that were supposed to be filled by Prince. If you guys couldn't tell by the outfits in the movie. (laughs) Uh, and that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, and it, and basically, it's just this fascinating space odyssey of get get the stone, save the world, stop the ultimate evil. It's you know mostly it's a blend of like action and comedy. And the, I think the most fascinating thing about the movie is the fact that there's no sort of direct opposition of the separate forces it's all these separate people trying to get to their end goal autonomously from one another to a certain extent which is really cool that's a cool way of telling the story so what'd you think about this one Doug? uh well it's way better because a lot of the same things exist with the cartoonish over the top performances and the ridiculous characters, but they're set in a fantasy land, so that makes it okay. Uh, I do like the. I, I, I had some issues with the opening scene where like there's archaeologists digging shit up and the aliens show up, but once it cuts to like the future, I'm like, okay, I like the world building, the flying cars, the trains going up the sides of buildings. It all looks neat, even though you're, you're yeah, forgetting Luke, the best part of the opening, which is Luke Perry. And and that is Luke Perry gets top billing in this fucking movie, and he is in this movie for ten seconds. <laughs> how they how they do the billing in movies has always fascinated me because I agree with you. It's weird that he's like I assumed he was going to come back somehow, but I don't. But he didn't. Like, so what was he doing? About, why is his name even used? Why would they even hire a real name actor for that role? I don't know. But yeah, no, I, I like the world they build. I find it um, like her falling through the, the the roof of Bruce Willis's cab, quite literally. Um, a lot of that stuff is just kind of fun in that like over-the-top action movie kind of way. A lot of the humor doesn't work for me, I'll tell you that. Like the running gag of Bruce Willis's mom keeps calling him. I don't, I don't know about that. I enjoyed seeing some of the B-list actors show up, but I don't know if I bought Tiny Lister as a president. It was a bit of a stretch for me. <laughs> Who I did really like in this movie was Brian James. That guy, of fucking, like, 
Brian James is great in everything. Again, like, but he's he's inherently cartoonish and over the top, but he's supposed to be playing that in this movie, so it's fine. Uh, movie's runtime was a little long, a lot long. It probably should have been shorter. You could probably shorten it by approximately the amount of screen time that Chris Tucker has, and it'd probably be... Oh, oh fuck, fuck off, man. I, I, <laughs> I think Ruby, this is Ruby Rod. Ruby Rod's one of the best parts of the whole fucking movie. I, I think you guys you guys know that like I've constantly constantly complained about Chris Tucker for like his, every time he's come up on this podcast and I'm pretty sure this is the movie that made me hate him. Like I remember seeing this in theaters and going Jesus Christ. Like <laughs> I will agree if doing? if there had not been scheduling conflicts and that Prince had been that character, it would be so much better. I mean, it, it couldn't be worse in my opinion. I I can't deal with that shit. Oof. So. Hmm. Well, no, you obviously love this movie. Fuck yeah, I do. Some of your favorite parts. Jesus Christ. Uh, well, pretty much any time fucking Gary Oldman's on screen, it's pretty fucking mm-hmm. great. And and once again, I love the fact that the hero of the movie and the villain of the movie never interact with each other. It's just, it's, I don't know. It's fascinating. That what a great bit of writing to have him go through the entire movie <laughs> and to have Carbon Dallas defeat him without knowing he defeated him. I do appreciate the complete lack of interaction between the heroes and the villains in the movie. You don't really notice it when you're watching the movie, but everyone points it out afterwards and you're like, Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's because there's all the little bits of crossover in the storylines, but not a lot of direct stuff. So like Zorg in the shape-shifting aliens have their interaction and Zorg in the priest have an interaction and Corbin and the shapeshifting aliens have an interaction, right? <laughs> it's just, I don't know. They, they all kind of are bouncing off of each other. It's kind of, it's fascinating. Weirdly, I think the, the quite possibly the least interesting thing in the entire movie is Mila Kunis's character, who's the main focus of the movie. Mila Jovovich? Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> Not Kunis. Say <laughs> so she would have been like, 12 yeah, at the time this was made that 70s <laughs> space opera um but yeah i do like the running joke of she keeps taking off her shirt and everybody keeps having to turn around really quick it's a good joke <laughs> yeah i was surprised how good some of the cgi is i feel like some of the wider shots of the city and stuff look pretty decent uh, when they're like creating the perfect being and the that little thing is like scanning on like muscle and stuff. That shit looks terrible. Yeah. But, yeah. The muscle specifically looks real bad. Yeah. The bit where it's putting the bone together looks pretty fantastic. Yeah. 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 Uh, the special effect of the reconstructing cell skeleton is really quite good. <laughs> I really like uh, I think my favorite part of the whole movie is always after Zorg and the uh, the shape-shifting aliens get into their little piss fight because the stones aren't actually in the case. And he leaves in one case and they're walking out and he gives the speech about killers. And he's like, I love me a killer. You know what a killer would have asked? What the little red button is for. <laughs> That's a fun moment. That whole interaction is quite fun when he's like, he thinks he's getting those magic stones and then the dumbass aliens just they're like we got you the case and he's like i wanted the 
case with the stones in it. And they're like, well, you didn't say that. You just said, get the case. <laughs> I thought, I thought that was pretty funny to be honest. Yeah. And of course there's the, the very famous diva opera scene, Yeah, I done which is a that. really cool idea. I could have done without that. Generally speaking, if there's singing in a movie, I can live with that being gone. I'll see. I kind of like, I like the stylistic choice of kind of the music and the action scene that are going on at the same time, kind of playing off of each other. And it's a really cool idea that they had actual singers sing bits and pieces of a song that would be impossible for a person to actually sing and then re-edit it together to make a alien opera singer. Okay. I respect that. I don't know. I don't think I really picked up on it. Yeah, although, do you guys know who Vitas is? No. No. It's a, so I think he's from Russia. Really weird singer performer guy who's kind of famous for being able to do these really strange vocalizations uh i don't know if you guys remember there used to be a lot of running uh memes and shit on the internet that would do this song that goes all the time no no i was getting ready to say that's vetus but vetus does a cover of this song and gets really fucking close to actually being able to do the entire thing like which is bonkers did you guys die no we're here no trying to get my cat not to meow on the microphone i I thought i heard a cat for a second i thought that was just Noah doing noises again so i just wasn't gonna say anything Trying to get him to go lay in his bed, and he won't do it. So obviously you love this movie. Now tell us more about what you like about it, and I'll see if you're right. Uh, Well, I like the... (laughs) We were talking the other week about style over substance. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And this movie is about as fucking stylized as a movie gets. Yeah. Uh, It's got some weird... If I if I understand correctly, this director is super into fashion or something weird like that. So there's a lot that of seems movies. right. I have no yeah. idea if it's true or not, but it seems like it. So he's French, so probably yeah. There's a lot of weird fashiony stuff. I love I love some of the ideas of what the future would be like, like the apartment where it's cramped and like the shower and refrigerator are in the same spot and just kind of slide up and down to allow you to use those things. Same thing with the bed. Uh, I like the idea of the cigarettes in the future are like 99% butt. <laughs> Just a teeny <laughs> tiny bit of cigarette on the end of it. It's always funny to watch movies that are set like this far in the future because like you say the apartment is kind of a neat setup and stuff, but then they presume that people will still just be carrying matches, which is fun. Right. <laughs> like it's literally, um, you know, it's literally the same style of matchbox that you would get today. <laughs> it's like okay so they've everything's upgraded except that fair enough in the the fucking ridiculous future mcdonald's yep in which i wonder who sponsored this movie could it possibly be mcdonald's i wonder if when mcdonald's signed the sponsorship deal they knew that they were going to make the wait staff dress all sexy in their future mcdonald's that's <laughs> not really good uh, with their current image I'll, t- I'll tell you what if tomorrow McDonald's announced that they were forcing all of their employees to start wearing future punk gear, 
I would so eat at McDonald's more often. I, feel. <laughs> I was going to say this part of the movie is pretty meta for me because I did grab McDonald's to have for dinner on the way home. Oh, interesting. Nice. So I was eating like a Big Mac. Like, oh, look, McDonald's. I want to say they did a special too where, because what is it? She she says something that's not on the menu. It's like two golden meals or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think they did a cross promotion thing where there was like a golden meal at McDonald's when this movie came out, but I can't quite remember. Uh, I'm trying to, man, I'm trying to think of what else is, like I said, every second Gary Oldman's on the screens. Oh, fucking awesome. Bruce Willis is pretty great in this movie, other than whenever he's trying to be mushy, because it just comes yeah. off fucking weird. It's not his strong suit. He does, like, granted, he does getting a, uh, he does a better job of just not playing, like, pure tough guy. Like, playing the kind of future John McClane, I guess, is the best way to describe this character. Where he's, like, uh, struggling not to be involved in anything, and he just wants to be retired, but he can't can't seem to quite work in the real world and there's kind of the running joke about they have some kind of a credit system for their cab license and he's like running out of credits because he keeps getting into accidents and stuff so when she falls through the roof it pretty much does pretty much does him in and like those jokes are pretty funny like whenever he tells somebody how many credits he's got left in his license and they're like clearly you're lying and it's like well yeah technically (laughs) he's like you know i don't know all that all that worked for me I love the complete ineptitude of the government in this. Just every second, every second that's got to do with the fucking president or those generals is kind of hilarious. Yeah. I really like the the bit where he's like, what the hell is your guy doing? And he goes, don't worry, he's highly trained and he's going to de-escalate the situation. <laughs> he just fucking goes to town killing as many people as possible. And the negotiating scene's pretty funny, too, where he shoots the guy in the face and goes, anybody want to negotiate? <laughs> I mean, again, a lot of this stuff is it's ridiculous and absurd, but it's fun because it's in this fantasy film where things are supposed to be ridiculous and absurd. And, like, they set that tone early. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the fact that they set they set the ridiculous expectations right away is good. Yeah. I do find it interesting that we have the the race that apparently built the ancient magic space weapon to defeat the evil that returns every thousand years or whatever the fuck is going on. And they only show up like at the very beginning of the movie and they look like something from an episode of Doctor Who. Yeah. I don't know. I found I found all the alien stuff. I kind of gloss over it. I'm just like, yeah. It's fine. Whatever you guys say. It's aliens put what on earth now? Four stones and a chick? Okay. That's fine. You know. All of it's just kinda I think I, I'm worried that if I think too hard about any of it, none of it's gonna make sense, so I just kind of ignore it. How do, how do you guys feel about the notorious airport scene where all the different groups attempt to get on the same flight using the same fake ID, basically? Uh, it was another bit of humor that didn't work for me too well. Where they kept all going up and saying they were him, whatever Bruce Willis's ridiculous name was. And I'm just like, I don't know. I, I know you're making a joke here, but I'm not finding it very funny. So, did like the humor really work for you guys in this movie? Or am I? I don't. I don't have any complaints. Like I said, I like the movie. The only, the, literally, the only thing in this movie 
I do not find enjoyable is every time Bruce Willis is swooning. It's just weird. Yeah. It's I like a lot of what Bruce Willis does and I respect that he was still acting at this point in his career, but yeah, him trying to be mushy and then like even the parts where it's like I don't know, him making it with Mila Jovovich, it it really feels like he's kind of I don't I don't know how old the actors were, but it seems like he's way too old for her. What? The thoroughly balding, weirdly blonde. Blonde and balding is not a great look. Yeah. Well, it's it's a little bit weird, too, because um, I don't know. I don't know how old she's supposed to be. I guess she's not human, so she's not really an age. And But, like, she's reconstructed. I don't, I, I, I don't I'm trying not to overthink it because, again, it's a fantasy film and we just go with it. But, you know, he's, like, retired from the military. So he's, you know, moving on to his second career as a cab driver. And well, they do keep – at one point in the movie, they insinuate she's been asleep for a long time. And that – like, that she's I, – I don't know, that they freeze her or something between each of these events. It's real weird. They, it's kind of a passing comment. You're like, wait, what? Some of the background lore is not well established. Well, and, I, and I feel like if you think about it too much, you're like, okay, she was frozen, but she was destroyed and then reconstructed by the Earth scientists. So is that even the same one that was frozen? And did she look like this the whole time? Because it seemed like she didn't look like this when they had just her arm and that metal or whatever. And it's like, well, let's not think about it too hard. Let's look at all the pretty colors. She looks pretty good in that like weird Band-Aid outfit they have her running around in most of the movie. Let's go with all that because it's more fun that way. Yeah, it looks. The problem is that outfit looks real hot from the front and really cool. And then from the back, you're like, ew, it looks like a diaper. (laughs) I don't know if I was thinking diaper at any point during this film, but it's fine. Um, And like the silicone suspenders they have for half the movie. The outfits are, are a choice. Trying to predict the future. I guess. All right. Do we have anything else? I, don't know. I know supposedly the divine language or whatever, they actually, the director actually wrote that language and forced uh, Milojovic to learn it, and they would talk in that language on set. <laughs> really? That's, yeah. That seems like abusive. <laughs> I feel like the director took this movie really seriously, like, I don't know. The story goes that he wanted to make this movie and it was delayed. And basically he made the last movie to fill the time because of the delays in making this one. Yeah. I feel like you can tell there's a lot more time and effort put into this movie. I still don't think, like I said, I don't think the, the lore is particularly strong. If you think too much about any little element of it, it starts to fall apart. I think there is a lot of style over substance, but the style is really good and it is like a fantasy film. So world building is an important part of that. Um, You know, again, is it ridiculous over the top characters? Yeah, but it's a fantasy movie. So that's okay. Um, Some of them are going to be grating and annoying and make you hate the actor forever and not even be able to appreciate them when we do them in dramatic films later on in this podcast, but that's fine. It is what it is. So, I would have preferred the movie be maybe either have a lot more substance to offer or just be shorter. Those are those are the two options I would have picked. And instead, they kind of went with, we're going to make it two and a half hours with no real substance. And that could be a real problem.
Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to TheMidnightDriveIn at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. All right, what has everybody watched? Uh, I didn't watch a whole lot. Um, I watched the second half of the Netflix series Red Rose. Okay. Because Char was watching it, and I kind of walked in halfway through her binging it. Interesting. <laughs> and did it was it confusing at all to only see the second half? Uh, yeah, very very confusing. But once I figured it out, it was all right. All right. <laughs> uh, it's basically about a bunch of teenagers. They get an invite to use a new app, and then the app starts doing weird things. And you know, at first you think. Maybe it's some kind of weird AI thing, or maybe it's supernatural, or it, it's playing games with them, and it seems like it's trying to get them hurt, and then people start killing themselves. And uh, Spoiler alert, just in case you're actually interested in watching this show, don't listen to the next few things I say and skip a minute ahead or whatever. Uh, but the big reveal is that it's actually basically a website with a bunch of internet trolls who are just destroying the lives of five people just because the internet's terrible and they're bastards. That's it. Yeah. And basically a kid built this website to spy on a girl that he was into to essentially cyber stalk her and find out everything about her to get her to love him. And instead, it was hijacked by the internet trolls who then used all of the cyber stalking technology to uh, harass and murder several teenagers. Well, that sounds like a real good message. It gets weird. It gets real dark in like the last episode. <laughs> I was going to say, that doesn't sound very happy at all. Not sure why it's so unhappy. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's pretty much all. Well, did I tell you guys I watched all the House of Usher? Uh, no, but I have two uh, two episodes left, so don't spoil it. Yeah, I haven't started. I won't spoil anything, but it's it's delightful. It's been pretty great so far. Yeah, I yeah. really want to I mean, see it. I just haven't gotten around to it yet. I need some time to sit down and watch it. Yeah. I mean, it's it's Mike Flanagan and his stable of actors that he likes, mm-hmm. and they all. I mean, they all pretty much deliver every single time. Yeah. Yep. I can't remember who's the. Uh, Who's who's the chick who's playing the representation of death or whatever the fuck she's supposed to be? Carla Gugino? Yeah. She puts in some fucking heavy lifting. Yeah. She's really good. Yeah. But yeah, it was it was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really I'm really enjoying it. I love how everybody sort of gets their own highlight episode. And um yeah, I mean, again, it's Flanagan who's able to take like um, an Edgar Allan Poe story and pull in like so many other branches of Poe work and sort of mix them all together and have you go, oh, that all still works and does it really well. Yeah, I only have I only have one complaint, and that complaint is based on my fandom of Edgar Allan Poe, not on 
Mike Flanagan's choices, but in his translations, I feel like he fucking he misses the themes of the story, which might be the most important part is like keeping the theme intact. Hmm. And I don't, know, I don't know. Like I said, that's just the weird complaint I have. It's like, oh, yeah, cool. You modernized it, but you completely you lost the thread of the point of the story. Like uh, the, the adaptation bit that has to do with the Mask of the Red Death. Like that that story is about an attempt to avoid death. Like that's mm. that's the whole point. And that's completely lost. Yeah, I don't know. See, I haven't read much Poe, so I probably won't notice that when I watch it. Yeah. Yeah, I found that the one problem I had with watching it is so all of the characters are named for characters in the various stories. And so instantly I'm like, oh, I know what's going to happen to you. I know what's going to happen to you. I know what's going to happen to you. (laughs) Well, that's the problem with anything that's an adaptation. So. Well, but in the case of Flanagan, you know he's going to mix it up and it's going to be different. But yeah. But you know, it's it's I don't know. It's it's real solid. Ar- arguably, maybe one of the most solid. Yeah, it's his last uh, network series or Netflix series. Is it? Yeah, he he signed a deal with Amazon like right after he got done making this one. Oh no, shit! All right. So so now he's got to go over to Amazon and start doing weird multi comic book adaptations. <laughs> <laughs> Amazon's got its niche. They like third-party comic books and uh, old fantasy series. Well, let's, let's see what Flanagan can do with that, I guess. I have faith in him. I believe he'll do well right. making his old comic book series. Well, his his big project he's trying to get going is the Dark Tower stuff. So, oh, really? Yeah. He might be the one. Yeah, I think, if anybody, he's the one I would trust the most. I don't yeah. see. I don't know though because the the whole strength of his adaptations is in changing stuff. Yeah. And the big complaint about the attempts at the Dark Tower so far was that they changed a bunch of shit and fucking made it shitty. See, the problem is that people you're you're not sure where people fall on that because you're saying, well, the big complaint is that they changed a bunch of stuff and made it shitty. I bet you if they didn't make it shitty, people wouldn't be so upset about the complaint about the changing. Right? I, I don't know. I think if they weren't characters that people were fucking obsessed with, I think you, there's you probably don't want to fuck with that. There's going to be purists in everything you do. There's no denying that. But also, I think uh, sometimes you it, people complain about something changing or a character not being what they expect and stuff when it's done poorly when it's done right people go oh that's different but i'm okay with it because i enjoy what they did there and i i suspect that that's closer to what would happen we won't know till it happens yeah i don't know so some of the changes were weird you know normally i'm not a person who cares about like race swapping in movies and stuff because who get who gives a shit most of the time but <sighs> In the books, the entire relationship between Roland and Susanna is defined by the fact that she is a civil rights era black woman who's being given orders by an old white guy. Like, yeah, that's that's important. Supposedly, the filmmaker said if they had gotten that far, they had something planned out 
to deal with that. But we'll never know because the movie was not good. It didn't make any money. Yeah, it was not. It was not good. Idris Elba couldn't fucking save that movie. <laughs> right. Idris Elba and Matthew McConaughey together couldn't save the movie. Right. That's what I'm saying. That's that is some fucking heavy lifting those two can do, and it still sucked. Yeah. Those two in it, they still couldn't make it look interesting enough for me to see it. Yep. So. Don't, don't watch it. <laughs> like, and I and I don't have. I've never read the books. Like, I don't have that weight behind it. Just watch the trailers and went. No. It was, it's just weird. It's like that movie was written for the screen by somebody who was like, you know what I fucking hate? The Dark Tower series. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever this, watch? There's all this interdimensional bullshit that I just don't grok with. Did you ever watch the the 90s stand miniseries, Doug? Yes. All right. So the bad guy in that with all the denim. Um, I guess spoiler alert: the the character Matthew McConaughey plays in the Dark Tower. It's it's the same character. Okay, yeah, I think I knew that. So when you hear Matthew McConaughey is cast as that character, it sounds pretty you, good. You saw on the stand, you're like, oh, oh, that's a good idea. That's that can work really well. And they he did not play that character even remotely, like you would think he would, and it was. Super horrible. See, I just yeah, like I don't, I don't know. I, I think sometimes we put too much on actors. They're doing what they're told. They're a, mm-hmm. a cog in the wheel. And I think that when you start to say like, when you say a movie with Matthew McConaughey and Idris Elba in it, and neither of them are good, it tells me there's something going on in the director's yeah. chair or maybe a producer's seat somewhere that's ruining everything. Mm-hmm. What's it? It's one of those, well, and it's one of those things, though, that whenever you started hearing the casting, you're like, okay, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds like they're making good decisions, and then they didn't. But, I mean, if we could hop in a time travel machine and make that movie 15 years earlier and still have Matthew McConaughey as as Flag and, like, Clint Eastwood before he was way too old to do it, be uh, Roland. Mm. Because he, he pulls off Bastard really well, too. Like, he basically needed to be a cross between Dirty Harry and the character from Gran Torino. <laughs> yeah. It's still part of the, uh, still have that sort of charisma of uh, the man with no name right. character. Yeah. 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 He's kind of like a, a, cult leader almost i don't know he's it's such a great character in the books because he's such a piece of shit Mm -hmm. like he's still a hero and you're kind of trying to get behind him but you're like god damn it roland fucking stop (laughs) stop being such a bastard (sighs) but anyways that was all the things i watched because uh humble bundle had a really great bundle to get all of the uh, Arkham Knight games and both the Shadow of Mordor games and a couple more for $15. Yeah. So I've been, I've been deep in that. I already own all those. Yeah. I, those games are awesome. I only had Shadow of Mordor. So I got a shit ton of games. Yeah. I bought the sequel like forever ago. I still haven't played it. I love it. The nemesis system that they came up with mm-hmm. where the, uh, the orcs get more powerful and 
you can kind of like manipulate them and there's almost like procedurally generated storylines. I don't know. It's it's really cool. Did you ever play any of those games, Doug? No, I don't really play games. Unfortunately. You're missing, you're missing out. You could save Mordor. No, I just, I tapped out of like all sorts of video games at one point, And then like, I, whenever I try to tap back in, I'm like, nope, there's been too much advancement. <laughs> it's, it would be work now for me to understand it again. And I just can't. That defeats the point of games for me if they're hard work. So You could play Starfield. You could build the Millennium Falcon in it. Come on. Uh, I don't know. I, part of me regrets like not keeping up with games so that I'd be able to. But what are you going to do? Nothing I can do. I the the funny thing is I still have all my systems and I maybe other other than this because it was a humble bundle for fifteen dollars I maybe buy one game every other year. <laughs> like that's it. I get real excited. Like Zelda, I look at it. The new Zelda, I've looked at it about twenty times and been like, yeah, I'm not spending eighty dollars on a game. Fuck that. Mm. The next game I want to play is Stray, where you play oh, as a cat. Yeah. Cat. Yeah, cat with a backpack. In a city full of autonomous robots. Yeah. I've heard good things. Anyways, what'd you watch, Doug? Uh, Let's see. Well, I won't spend much time on the movies, but I did have a fun 24-hour period where my uh, local theater started playing like old horror movies because it's Halloween. Mm -hmm. So I saw Friday the 13th in theaters, then watched Halloween at home the next morning. And the next day, went to see A Nightmare in Elm Street in theaters. So I saw the big three all within a 24-hour period, which was super fun. But other than the fact that as I was sitting in the theater waiting for A Nightmare in Elm Street to start, it occurred to me that there was a bunch of new movies playing. And it's super depressing that I never even considered seeing them. I only went to see the old movies. (laughs) Other than that, it was really fun to watch those three movies all within a brief period. Um. Yeah, and I'm like sitting there thinking, oh man, like there's all those new horror movies out there. And it, I'm like sitting here for the second two nights in a row in the same theater watching classic 80s horror because that's what I think about modern cinema, apparently. Um, but yeah, this, I don't know. There's not much to say about those movies unless you guys want to know whether I like <laughs> Street or not. It's like, I think we've done, we've talked with them enough. Uh, one thing I did watch was um which i hadn't seen since theaters was the remake of don't be afraid of the dark that guillermo del toro produced in 2010 mm-hmm. and I, I just i hadn't seen it in so long and i'm like i remember that being good so i decided to rewatch it and you know what it's still good it's just this like if people haven't seen it it's just this family moves into this old house there's weird little monster things living in the furnace in the basement that come out and start fucking with them super horny for teeth yep it's like a weird like take on the tooth fairy i guess but uh i don't know it's just for some reason the fact that those little things can talk is both awesome and a little bit creepy and just that right way that makes it super fun to watch this movie just the way they keep chasing people around and no one believes the little girl obviously because of course they don't because that's what happens in horror films it's all very fun. And the final like fight scene between the humans and these little monster jobbies. Great. <laughs> I don't know. There's just something about that movie that I really enjoy that it's kind of hard to pinpoint, but I wouldn't say it's like scary and it's certainly not like an exciting film, but it's just kind of fun to watch. Yeah. It is a pretty good update of the original movie. 
I, you know, I've never seen the original. And I remember I've been in 2010, I made a conscious decision. Like I'm going to see the original because I really enjoyed that. So now I've made that decision again. I'm definitely going to see the original because I enjoyed rewatching this one. So yeah, we'll see how that goes. But. Yeah. You just have to remember it's a seventies TV movie. Yeah. So kind of build that into it. It's maybe a little slower than, but, than maybe you would have hoped, but I still think it's really good. I've watched a lot of those seventies TV movies since I started doing this podcast and they're a lot better than you expect them to be quite often. So, my, yeah. My yeah. biggest problem with that Del Toro movie is uh, one of the few things in horror movies that kind of gets my goat is uh, stuff with teeth. Yeah. And that <laughs> opening fucking scene with the chisel scraping on somebody's yeah. teeth, I was like, ah! <laughs> oh, it's, it's hard to watch. It, and it's done really well, which, I mean, it's supposed to be hard to watch, right? It's, um, But yeah, it is. I find teeth and eyes are my two things and like teeth getting knocked out is a real problem for me. Curb stomping is always difficult for me to watch in TV and in films. So was it teeth in general or just teeth being possibly destroyed? It's teeth teeth getting destroyed. Yeah. It's, I don't like even scenes of teeth being pulled out. doesn't really bother me. It's there's something unnatural about the teeth being, especially if they're pushed back and knocked out. I just I find it very upsetting. Yeah. Meanwhile, I Although, watch hockey in like every game, somebody uses <laughs> a tooth and just spits it out on the ice, and I don't care. But in movies, I can't handle it. Although I should hate that movie because it tried to kill me. It did. Because uh, like I I won tickets to like an early screening of it, and it was like it opened on like you know Friday, and there was an early screening of it like on Tuesday up in Chicago. So me and Randy drove up because, you know, he was super into it, really wanted to see it real bad. So we, we both drove up uh, together and then we went and ate. At, there's like a bowling alley restaurant, like, but it's like a fancy one that's like inside the theater, downtown Chicago. Wait, this is the restaurant fancy or is the bowling alley fancy? I just need to both. Okay. Both. Um, it's like, yeah. Come, Buffy. Let's go to the fancy bowling alley. Just <laughs> a bunch of um, guys in limos sitting at the yeah. like, little bar at the bowling alley demanding Grey Poupon for their food. <laughs> Sorry, go on. Yeah. Your, how does your story finish? So, we got something to eat at the uh, fancy restaurant slash bowling alley. And I got like little like sliders or whatever, and there was like three of them on a plate, and Mm-hmm. looked all like you know some garnish on the side tried to make it look all fancy whatever mm-hmm. so watched the movie uh enjoyed it drove home uh i wake up at like three in the morning and my whole body is shaking and i can't stop and i'm not cold i'm just like what the fuck is going on and my stomach's all upset and i ended up like vomiting and shit i had uh Horrible food poisoning for the next like day and a half. And I was like, you motherfucker, that fucking bowling alley slash restaurant. Yeah, I don't know. You're acting like this. That's what you get for having the oysters Rockefeller sliders. (laughs) (laughs) I did. Did I ever tell you guys about the one time I went on, like, I used to take these bus trips to Buffalo to go to football games? And we always stop in like Niagara Falls and spend the night there. Or we'd go out and party and whatever. And then the next day you go to Buffalo and everybody's all hung over as shit by the time you get to the game. But uh, the one day, like 
me and my buddy were on this trip together and this third guy like meets up with us. He's like, you guys going anywhere fun? Like, can we go somewhere and get some deets? I'm like, you're by myself. I'm like, yeah, we can come with us, whatever. And he's like, can we go to Hooters? I'm like, guess like whatever we're gonna gonna drink too much and eat greasy food it can be at hooters if you want it to be and we got good wings and the guy fucking orders oysters or oh no is it oysters or mussels whatever whichever one is on the hooters menu you can check for yourself probably mussels would be my assumption like he ordered one round and then ordered another round and then we proceeded to stay out drinking until they make you go home because bars are closing and like walk back to the hotel and the next day we're getting on the bus and this guy's like, like so sick. He's thinking about not making the rest of the trip. He's like, I don't know why I feel so bad. I'm like, well, did you eat two pounds of mussels at Hooters last night? <laughs> <laughs> I think I know why you don't feel well. What the hell were you thinking? Like, like it, it's a very strange decision you made. Yeah, no. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't, I don't know if I understand that. Like the rest of us were just going to go to a Boston pizza. You're the one that had this idea. Like you came here with the intention of eating those. It's weird. Crazy. But now we're like even further off topic than normal. I don't know how that happened. (laughs) Don't be afraid of the dark. Enjoyable. It's a good movie. Want to know what else is actually a good movie? What? I watched a new movie on shutter this week. I think it's new ish. I think it's from this year or last year. And it's called uh, The Angry Black Girl and Her Monster. Oh, I've heard good things. I've yeah. not seen it. So it's a, a modern retelling of the Frankenstein story, uh, recontextualized as like a drama film about people living in like the projects. Um, so like super smart teenage girl, like from like the bad part of town. Her older brother is uh, gets involved in like gangbanging and like, gets killed in some drug thing, but she's convinced she can help him. So she, you know, steals his body and starts doing experiments and eventually like, you know, brings it back to life. And it, it, it's a, the first like half of it is like pretty faithful retelling of Frankenstein to the point where the, like the air quotes monster, like actually, you know, escapes the lab and moves into like an empty uh, unit in their like complex and there's like a hole in the wall and he's like befriends the little girl that lives there and relearns how to read and talk by t- hanging out with her kind of thing. Just like the actual monster. All, all that stuff's kind of neat. Um, they do a really good job of blending the two genres of filmmaking, like the, the Frankenstein, which is kind of a genre into itself. And like the sort of drama about kids growing up and getting mixed in. So you get like weird scenes where like, like early on when she has the monster out, like she's getting hassled and the monster ends up killing this like drug dealer. So now she's got all these problems with the drug dealer because <laughs> they're like, we want to find your friend and they're forcing her to like work for them while they, uh, while they uh, are searching for this guy that they don't know is a monster. So it's, it's pretty interesting stuff. Uh, like I say, pretty relatively true to the original story or at least the, what everyone thinks of as the original story of Frankenstein, which is basically the 31 film. Mm-hmm. Um, just just done in a really interesting way. The all the horror elements of the film are very well done. Like the gore, there's several gory scenes, both like early on when she's doing her experiments, and then later on when the monster's like killing people. All good. The performances are good. There's um yeah there's at the end when the monster's like on its rampage and they're it's, she's kind of like it's her and one of the drug dealers who teamed up trying to stop it. It. It gets really kind of intense, and like you know, I say the horror elements of it work really well. Um, 
like I don't know, it it's a big recommend. I kind of avoided it for a little bit because the title makes it sound like it's going to be comedic, but it's not at all. Hmm. Um, there's a little bit at the beginning that you kind of have to get your head around. Like there's this, she keeps saying like death is a disease and therefore you should be able to cure it. And that's the idea that leads her into this path that she thinks she can save her brother, even though he's already been killed. And they're trying to play it off as like a metaphor for the drugs that go around in these like poor neighborhoods and how if you could get people off them, then you could kind of cure some of the problems that exist in society and stuff, but it doesn't really work. And it ends up coming across as if she's actually, like as if the filmmakers are actually trying to convince us that death is a disease that could be cured in the traditional sense. And it's like, well, no, it isn't. Don't stop saying that you're, you're making yourself sound silly, but you know, <laughs> that's pretty good. Um, the other like issue is there's obviously there's racial politics in the film and most of it is like pretty good, but there's a couple of moments where it gets like, it does that thing that over that heavy handed delivery of the message that to me is just like ruins the message. So be prepared for that. But like a lot of times, like I say, the, some of the stuff where like she's interacting with the drug dealers and there's like, there's moments where you're like, they're making really good points about how like, at one point the drug dealer says, he's like, you don't, you don't like me being here, but I'm all these people got like, if maybe if there was a uh, mental health services instead of police departments on every corner, I'd, I'd be out of business. And it's like, shit, it's a really fucking good point. <laughs> like it's you know, a, a drug dealer's really smart. Actually. He's really, uh, I hope everyone's listening who watches this movie. Cause that's true. You know, um, a lot, a lot of, a lot of it really works. So it's, it's a big recommend. And yeah, Interested in checking it out. Yeah. So, and then on the opposite end of the spectrum, the last thing I watched, which I just finished right before we started recording, uh, the children's horror film Spirit Halloween, the movie, which <laughs> yeah. I just had to, I had to watch it. Um, I wanted to yeah, watch it last year when it came out and I'm like, I didn't get a chance. And I'm like, well, obviously I'm not going to watch it. Not at Halloween. And yeah, we, we got a screener of it and none of us watched it. Yeah. Well, I think because there's something happened and I just didn't get to it until um, like it was like November 1st. And I'm like, well, now I now I don't want to anymore. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> but then I like I, I saw it this year and I tagged it on my like to watch list. Um, and then I'm like, OK. And then all of a sudden today it's like, shit, it's the 30th and I haven't watched it yet. <laughs> so I was like, it's an hour and 21 minutes long. And it was an hour and a half before we started recording. And I'm like, yes, just enough time. <laughs> <laughs> uh but it's it's pretty fun honestly like if it's i don't know a bunch of kids lock themselves in a spirit halloween that appears to have been built in a closed down toys r us it's just my opinion i'm adding that to the film and it's like the ghost of some guy is in there and he it's like he has to he can possess the animatronics and the costumes and stuff and he's chasing them around and he's trying to possess one of the people. And if he possesses one of the people at midnight, then he possesses them forever. And it's like pretty typical stuff. It has a little bit of a, a Krampus like messaging to it where there's like the one character that just still wants to do all the Halloween traditions. And the other characters are like growing up and don't want to go trick or treating with them and stuff. So they have to like, you know, learn to have their Halloween spirit again. And that's how they end up in this store. Is it, uh, is it completely unrealistic and there's not a single like licensed costume in this movie? Um, I don't know if I saw any actual licensed costumes, but like 
it's clearly filmed in a real spirit Halloween and like the signs are there and everything, but also it looks just like it. So like I, close rec- enough. I recognize a lot of the stuff as that's at spirit every year, <laughs> every year when I go to spirit two or three times for no good reason, because I don't really buy anything, but <laughs> I always see these same things and there they were. So a couple more days, the sales are going to start, Doug. It's time to go. And I'll go and I'll look around one more time and then go, ah, maybe next year and then not buy anything. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I recommend Spirit Halloween, the movie, to anyone who might have a vague interest in that type of thing. Sometimes these, like, you know what I mean? It's It can be like Monster Squad for a new generation kind of thing. Um, nice. But, I mean, it's not Monster Squad. Nothing's Monster Squad. But, you know, you know what I mean? Like, if you've got kids that want to watch something that's a little bit of a horror movie, it's good for them. At the same time, it's still a fun watch. And it plays on the whole, uh, you know, the concept of being a spirit Halloween movie is just something that's going to get to you. Also, Christopher Lloyd plays the the bad guy that possesses everything. So all of the like animatronics and costumes that come to life are all voiced by Christopher. So nice. There you go. If you need any, another reason to watch it, but that's yeah, that's it for me. So, um, so I watched a couple things. Uh, I was in the mood for something with a little horror in it, but something that was like fun. Right. Um, so I checked out 1986's Vamp. Okay. The, the vampire movie with Grace Jones in it. Yeah. Plays a stripping vampire. I feel like I've seen this, but it's been a long time. Uh, so a couple guys want to get into a fraternity. And so they say they're going to hire a stripper for shenanigans. Uh, but they don't have a way to drive downtown. So they have to get this nerdy guy who is like his family's like uber rich, but nobody really likes him. And they're like, well, let's see if we can borrow his car. And he only agrees to let him take it if he can go with him. And that guy's played by Gede Watanabe, uh, Wong Duck Dong from 16 Candles. Uh, the fun thing is he just gets to be himself in this movie. He doesn't have to put on some weird accent or whatever. Um, so they find this flyer for a club downtown. They go. There's strippers. Turns out uh, one of the characters knows like a waitress there who's new. They met like back in junior high or some bullshit. Uh, and I don't know if you're aware, but all the strippers are vampires. What? It's, it's basically from Dust Till Dawn, but like, you know, 10 years earlier. Um, yeah. What? Uh, are you saying that they're not original filmmakers with completely original ideas? Right. Um, well, from Dusseldon's way better than this movie. <laughs> uh, I was pretty excited for this movie, just based on the trailer and the description and whatnot. But uh, yeah, it's it's. I think it has a bunch of cool ideas that are just kind of drawn out and are not executed very well, which is a bummer. Um, but you know, it's got some fun parts. But I think it's there's a reason why it's not sort of heralded as one of like the great fun like eighties horror movies. So it's just kind of a bummer. I wanted it to be a lot more fun than it actually ended up being. Uh, and then the other movie I watched is a movie called Dance with Death, which I wanted one of those like um, like we did like Blue Steel, the Jamie Lee Curtis movie where she's sort of being stalked by a serial killer or whatever. So I wanted something sort of like that. Um, 
um, found this movie called dance with death where this reporter at this, uh, newspaper goes undercover because strippers are being killed at this club or whatever. Basically this is a complete ripoff of strip to kill. And I was like, Oh shit. Like, wow. How did they get away with this? Like, why didn't Roger Corman sue them? Because that seems like something Roger Corman would do. And then I looked it up and it's made by one of Roger Corman's companies. I'm like, Oh, he's stealing from himself and just making another movie. I was getting ready to say, cause Roger Corman forgot he made that <laughs> movie cause he's made so many movies. The fucked up thing is this movie is full of people that, you know, um, doesn't sound like it would be. It doesn't. But the guy who runs the club is Martin Mull from like Roseanne and Mr. Yeah. Mom and like all that shit. Um, there's a pre, uh, pre friends. Um, what the fuck's her face? Um, Lisa Kudrow in this movie. All right. She's like the secretary to like the main, like the editor at the newspaper. So she like hangs out with the main character, like for a couple scenes and stuff. Um, this guy who's a creepy guy. Who's like a red herring is Michael McDonald from like mad TV. And he was just in like what the second new Halloween movie. That's so fucking random. Um, and then sort of the main guy who is first seems a little awkward. And then spoiler alert, we find out he's a police detective. That's also looking into this shit. Is Maxwell Caulfield, who most people would know as Rex Manning from Empire Records. So there's just a bunch of faces in this. It's just like, wow. Nobody probably realizes they were in this movie. That's kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the movie's not great, which is not surprising. But has uh has some interesting, you know, I mean, it plays out, I guess, sort of how you would think it would. But then when it comes to the reveal of like, well... Obviously, somebody we know is the one who's killing all these women, and the reveal is not satisfying whatsoever. And it's just like, oh, that's really dumb. They shouldn't have done that. So, unfortunately, it falls apart. I was just more amazed at how many people are actually in the movie. It's so funny when you watch these movies and you're like, I don't. How did that work? I don't know. Right? Because I was looking at the at the dates, and I'm like, Martin Mull was on Roseanne when this was happening, but I don't like. He's one of those guys where I'm like, has he ever really been famous? Like, how much money do you make from being like the guy that's on every third episode of Roseanne as like? Yeah, that's true. I guess. I mean? like, well, I, I well, I think the whole thing was I think he was a writers room guy. Oh, was he? Okay, I don't know. I don't know anything about him. I'm only, but I mean, if his dream is to be in movies, maybe these are the roles he could get, which doesn't make a lot of sense because he's good. You'd think that being good at it would help you get better roles, but. It's really not I don't know. Happen. It's weirdly that's not always how it works. Like maybe he just because uh, this is like oh sleazy strip club owner. Maybe that's a role he doesn't get to play very often. Maybe and he's like oh that'll be fun. Let's do that. Yeah. I mean you never know what's going on too because sometimes I think people just know each other and just yeah. Can you be in my movie? Sure, why not? Yeah. So I don't know. It's 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 definitely a very strange movie that does not. Does not uh, end up working by the time it's over. But again, no one ever said Roger Corman didn't make the same movie like five times in a row. So, well, you know, if you're gonna make that, really, like he might be the only filmmaker on the planet that can just go, "Look, I ran out of ideas. I did them all. You made 300 <laughs> fucking movies. That's what happens." And you're like, "I guess, sure, why not?" 
Listen, I've made 200 pictures on time and under budget. I'll do whatever the fuck I want. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. Well, next week, um, I think uh, me and Noah got a serious case of whiplash. We found out Doug did not enjoy uh, Leon the Professional. Where is this going? Do we have and I think it was so bad. <laughs> So bad, we may have to go to the hospital, which means it's time for some hospital horror next week. So we're checking out 1985's Hellhole and 1982's X-Ray, two slasher movies set in a hospital. Yep, that's enough. <laughs> it counts as the theme. Yeah. Solid. I believe they're both on Tubi, from what I remember when I looked them up before you guys hopped on. They are, in fact, both on Tubi because that's how they ended up on our list. It's me going through Tubi, picking shit that I'm like, I want to watch this. What can I team it up with? What else is on Tubi that I can team it up with? Hmm. So I think, I mean, I think I've seen Hellhole before. When I read the description, I was like, oh, that's that movie. But I don't remember. We'll find out. Yeah, did, I am. I have not seen either one. I, did we do uh, visiting hours on this show? I don't think we. I don't think I've seen that yet. So no. Yeah, I don't believe so. Michael Ironside stalking a woman through a hospital? No. I mean, I know I just sold it to you. Yeah, so. it's, it'll be on the list soon if you want to do it. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> uh, yeah, so should be fun. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to some hospital horror. I did, I guess I didn't mention that I also watched Halloween 2 this week. So. Oh, yeah, that's that's hospital horror. Yeah, but... Uh, uh, hospitals are a fun environment for horror, generally speaking, because I don't know, they're naturally creepy because you're never there. For say, a good the reason. looming specter of death. Yeah. It's just that sterile environment. Everything about it's just creepy. I don't like them. So <laughs> says the guy who has free health care. He's like, Oh, I don't like going to a hospital. It's like, ah, fuck off. <laughs> I guess. I guess I was technically rubbing it in there. I wasn't trying to, but. How much money we got to pay to go to a hospital, Doug? All right, you talked me into it. I'll go to the hospital tomorrow. <laughs> just, just walk in there and be like, what are you here for? I don't know. It's my place. I can be here if I want. Um. So we may have talked about this, but what is, uh, what's Lando going for for Halloween? He's going to be Thor. That's Infinity, right. In, Infinity War Thor. Yeah. Didn't talk him into uh, Thor: Love and Thunder, Thor, huh? Your favorite one. Not even the, uh... tried. No. no, no. It was all a it was all a ploy because he just wanted a, a Stormbreaker to play with. That's all it is. <laughs> I'm reasonably confident that's how he picked his costume. Was like, if I get this, then I can have this cool axe to play with at home. I mean, that is a fair. It's not fair bad. Thought. I don't mind. I'd rather that than some costume that he's never going to touch again on November first. So. Does he dress up a lot? Does he, he wear like costumes and stuff when he plays? Uh, he goes through stages where he does. He used to like it used to be like an everyday thing, and now it's more of like a once in a while. But he's got like a big bag full of various superhero costumes and a ninja outfit and stuff like that. So he's got like a whole costume trunk, sort of. Yeah, it's also full of Nerf guns and shit too. And half the time it's mixed up because he doesn't put his things away properly. So. Costumes are in the wrong bin, and there's other stuff in the costume bin. But I think Noah's moving furniture. Well, he doesn't sure, find our conversations that interesting. So he's just, like, <laughs> all I can think room. of is that uh, the the comic book store that I used to hang out at a lot 
the owner had a replica Stormbreaker, not the not the Infinity War Groot arm one, but like the comic book accurate gold one. Oh, really? Okay. And I I was always so fucking jealous of that. I'd, I'd walk by it every day, and I'd be like, "How much did that cost?" And he'd be like, eight hundred dollars." And they'd be like, "God damn it, I want that so bad." <laughs> did, did that go down in price by ninety percent since I was here yesterday? No. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. Need more uh, replica weapons in my house. Why go replica? Just get legit ones. Well, I guess that's true. I was gonna say, see, I'm not normally a replica weapon guy, but I do love Beta Ray Bill, and I really want that Stormbreaker. <laughs> you I just want about, Beta Ray uh, Bill. I thought about going as Fat Thor when fucking just. <laughs> kid, you know, I googled the price of that costume, and it became pretty clear that I wasn't going to do that. So no, couldn't just uh, put on sweats and uh, stuff a pillow up your shirt. I, uh, well, I don't need the pillow that much. Um, <laughs> that's not the hard part. Um, yeah, the, I, I didn't have like the right color of sweats. And then I'm like, well, I can just do it with what I got. And then I'm like, no. And I feel cheap. Be a whole problem. Hmm. So instead, I'll just wear jeans and a t shirt. Anybody else have anything interesting they can say at the end of the show to make it fun or entertaining for the people who are listening? Or. Not really. Do that thing where our show should have ended 10 minutes ago and we're still going. I mean, that's the one. I feel like that's what we do all the time. It is, it's it's our thing. It's kind of our trademark. I feel like after the first five minutes of the show, it should have been the end of the show. You know, if you're, but, the first five minutes of the show was nonsense. But then we had to listen to Doug get all mad about the professional. So maybe that was worth it. You were mad about strip clubs. I was mad about the movies you were talking about. Mm. And you were complaining about me. Oh, I have a thing I'm mad about that I haven't brought up yet. Oh, Is yeah? With this? Cause sure. Because of fucking Noah, that's what I'm mad at. Oh. So I, I, go, I go back and I listen to like the old episodes, right? And I think it was in the Tim Burton episode where Noah's telling us he's going to do his like mystery dinner and he reveals mm-hmm. who the corpse is going to be. And I asked if that counts as a spoiler. And he talks to me like I'm an idiot for several minutes. He's like, no, moron. How can the they're supposed to guess who the killer is? How can knowing who the corpse is going to be be a spoiler, you moron? And I'm like, okay, calm down. I didn't know. I've never been involved in one of these things. But when I go back and listen to the episode, I realize we had just finished a 10 minute discussion about Saw right before that conversation. And then he's like, no, moron. How can knowing who the killer is, knowing who the corpse is, help you find the killer? I'm like, well, maybe because we just finished talking about a whole franchise based on that concept. I don't recall that conversation going that way. That's how that, that's exactly how that went. It's exactly how that went. I was like listen, re-listening to it while I was working and getting angry at you while I was sitting there trying to work. Good job, Noah. I'm like, fuck, where do you get off acting like, <laughs> acting like the corpse can't be the killer? Of course it can be. You don't know. Uh, okay. I take, if I ever do a saw themed murder mystery, which will be the easiest <laughs> murder mystery of all time because I don't think people you, have seen the film. I don't think you can do a murder mystery based on a popular franchise. Well, the only way you're going to find a clue is if you cut your foot off. It's just, so we're having spaghetti and chicken for dinner, and uh, I'll just need to handcuff you all to these dirty toilets. <laughs> 
Well, it's it's that guy there. He's the one laying on the floor. He's the one that did it. No, handcuff yourself to the toilet, like I said. It's not Shut time up and to cut your foot yet. off with this axe, all goddammit. <laughs> Who's coming back for next week's Friday the 13th themed one? Good lord. We all we all know it was Jason. Ha, motherfuckers, it was Roy. It was Roy the whole time. <laughs> Jesus. This asshole put together uh, Friday 13th Part 5 murder mystery. What a bunch of bullshit. You should have known. You should have known by the candy bar wrappers I left laying around. <laughs> I fucking, I fucking told you Jason hint. had been cremated. That's how you know it couldn't be him. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.